Hi folks, you are about to hear uh, the podcast we record on the 21st of January with crime correspondent with the Irish Daily Star, Mick O'Toole. Um, and I have to tell you, it was really, really enjoyable. I think uh, if if you see how things are reported and you know some things get under your skin, you need to listen to this podcast and understand why they're reported as such. Uh, and Mick does a brilliant job of explaining that. Um, if you're a patron, you've probably already heard this. So, so, and if you're a patron, what are you doing listening to this? Because you've just you should be listening to last night's um, podcast with Joe Pina, who uh, is the deputy vice leader of the Socialist Party, who have just won a majority in the in the Portuguese elections. And um, I think it's a brilliant uh, new conversation that we've had. If you're not a patron, you've missed out on that. You've also missed out on the brilliant comedian Matt Green telling us about how he makes those videos where he parodies the Tory Party. Uh, on uh, online and and does those videos that are gone viral across uh, all of uh, Twitter, even in even Irish Twitter has 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 adopted Matt. Um, please do support us. It's been a difficult few weeks in terms of um, the finances around the Tortoise Shack. I've been quite public about that, but we we'd really appreciate if we we had. I think in January we had our largest listenership since the general election in 2020. And our lowest level of support since June 2021. That's not sustainable. Um, but you know we're 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 doing our best to 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 make make ends meet. But the best way to do it is if you gave the price of a cup of coffee once a month on Patreon.com forward slash Tortoiseshack. If you listen to the podcast, it's the bottom link on this. All you got to do is press that and pick a tier. I'd really appreciate it. It would just make um. It lift the monkey off my back for a few weeks, folks. We could really do with it. Uh, in the meantime, please enjoy this podcast. And I want to thank Mick uh, for schooling me in the way. And you'll hear a little bit of Bloody Sunday talk as well that uh, wasn't included in the uh, two-hour epic podcast we put out on coverage for Bloody Sunday. But nonetheless, I think it was really great. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the pod. Talk to you soon. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves. And today we are... Talking about something that I've wanted to cover before, something that maybe um, a lot of our listeners, you know, we are, we do tend to be very social media based. We're very, we, we live on Twitter as, as entities and, and a lot of the, the conversation and discourse and um, the, the conflicts that we have, particularly con- conflicts where people aim, th- aim things at, at, at uh, certain media outlets and certain people in, in personalities, I'm going to say, within media and how the real problem isn't so much how things are reported it's a lack of how we understand things need to be reported and you know some of those conversations it's important that we have them so with that in mind i'm delighted to be joined by believe it or not but my my pal uh crime correspondent mick o'till mick how are you keeping i'm fine tony great to be here no listen thanks i have it's been a while since i've seen you on the old mm. zoom but um look, look I, I i i will get into it but i want to i'm conscious that we're in a week now, and as I said, listeners will know. I'm going up to Derry in the week to to um, go up to the to meet a few people who are involved with the families and and that from the Bloody Sunday commemoration. It's 50 years on on Saturday. I I, I think I'm correct in saying so. Mick, uh, you were born in North Belfast, and you were born. I'd say you were two at the time, maybe thereabouts. Uh, uh, one and a half. Yeah, I was born in August 70, 1970. Uh, yeah, so obviously you wouldn't have a recollection of the events, but you must have lived with them all your life. Yeah, I was just saying earlier, it, it, it's bloody Sunday. Obviously, I was, as I say, I was 18 months old. My family, we're the youngest. I've, I've got, got a twin brother, so we're the youngest. So my, my other siblings were a good bit older than us. But I was just saying, it, so bloody Sunday has been effectively been with me my whole life. 
I, I I obviously can't remember a time when I didn't know about it. And all my conscious life, I've it's been there, and it's been it, it's been more than a shadow. It has. I think it's impacted on everybody in the north. So I grew up in a Republican or nationalist part of of uh, North Belfast. My parents are from Ardoyne. We moved around a wee bit, but that's that, that's our story basically. So we work class nationalists, and it it really just envelops you, and it just overshadows everything. Now, I, I, obviously, I'm not from Derry, but being from the north, it's really really hard to say or hard to quantify for me how much it, of a, an effect it has on your life because. You know they're shooting unarmed people in the streets, and it that I can just remember it was almost, uh, and perhaps this is the wrong word, but it almost has an, a, a, a mythical status because it is so big, and it is part of the furniture. If you, if you know what I mean, that is yeah. just part. It was certainly part of my life. It, we, we, I, we even talked about it in school. You know, I'm sure you know lads in in Dublin and in, in, in the schoolyard when you're nine, ten, eleven, because when I was eleven, Bobby Sands and everything, and the, the hunger strike happened. So. We grew up in a very, very politica, politicized society. Mm. But Bloody Sunday was everywhere. It was, you would never be, uh, not have a conversation about it. It was, I'm not saying we spoke about it every day, but it overshadowed, I think, every, everybody's life in the North. And partly because of the horror of what happened, partly because it was so big around the world. And, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It was just, it, it was, yeah. there were te- lots of terrible tragedies during the conflict and the troubles. And after the conflict and the troubles, I remember being involved with, with reporting, you know, Vaughan, for example, after, after the uh, races fire, that was in August, 1998, we thought peace had come along and it was, it was a horrendous tragedy, but just bloody Sunday, just, it, it was a different level. It just overshadowed everything. And it really seeped into Every nationalist life, I would say, anyway. Yeah, and and I know I, I, I like, as I said, you you were you were you couldn't have had any any conscious thing, but yet it was mm. it was always there. And I I don't and I think I do think you're right. I know you're saying maybe the, the phrasing is wrong, but it was part of the infrastructure of mm. how of of everything else that stemmed from it. And it, it is a unfortunately a tragic foundational um, uh, incident that that and I'm being very. We're sanitizing our words here, um, but I do think, yeah, it just, and I, I, I just, and again, I want to put that in the context of it's quite, quite funny to see the discourse in what we're going to say the old free state where people are so, ah, you know, that's not true and that's not true, and you know, we, we, we didn't turn our backs and we didn't look away or we didn't, we didn't pull up, um, we didn't stick our noses in the air either, um, but I do think that knowing I'm, I'm a few years younger than you, not, not as many as you think, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't have had the same, um. Uh, shadow uh, uh, behind, you know, in, in always lingering there. It would, it was. I any way I found out about it, I had to reach out, and make, and find out about it. I, it wasn't, it wasn't discussed in the schoolyard, you know. I, I, I'll give an example. I remember I, I must have been ten. Going up, my, my I was saying my parents were from Ardoin, so we we moved away to another part of North Belfast, but we'd go back every Sunday, right? Because we had a lot of people there. And I remember going there's there's shops up at the top of Ardoin, and I remember Phil Coulter's the town I love so well was on the, the the radio when we were going past one day and we were talking about Bloody Sunday and that was when we were 11 or 10, you know, and that just, it just goes to show you. And I remember, you know, the, the, then well, formerly Bishop, but then he was a, a, a priest, Eddie Daly, mm. uh, you know, when the, and the bloody handkerchief and that sort of stuff. It was just, it was just everywhere. It was part of us. And there were very few atrocities that I think, every atrocity is a terrible, every murder is terrible, but the, this atrocity really seeped into People's bones, I think. Yeah, and uh, look, as I said, we'll be hopefully up there now for a few, for a few for a few days talking to a few people. But I just think it's um, 
I just took well, took an opportunity of having you on the pod to ask you so so thanks for sharing. Um, I do want to move us on. I suppose what the this is something we probably should have done sooner, but um, a lot of the discourse around the Ashley Murphy, the the horrendous murder of that young woman, um, and how it's impacted people, and now the effect, effect that a man has been charged. Uh, so in 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 a case, and it's, so it's now what what's called. Sub Judas. So, do you want to just first of all start and explain what that means and why people should actually give a shit, Mick? Right. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the Icing Murphy case because absolutely not. So, absolutely. I, so, we'll be clear from there. Um, it just it literally means under the judge. It's Latin. It means that the judge has control of the case. Now, that's very, very important. I'll, I'll talk about other aspects later on, but it's very important. It means the judge has the case. And the way I explain it to young journalists, and by the way, Tony, don't be. I can understand why. You know, ordinary punters have difficulties with this because there are plenty of journalists who have. It's very simple, but it's very complicated at the same time. There, there, there are different variant factors, but effectively, I tell young journalists: once the judge has the case, the shutters come down. Okay, so there's no commentary. You have to say you can only say what is said in court, with a few with a few exceptions. For example, right, uh, you can say what a man, an accused, for example, it doesn't say what he's wearing in court, but you can say because he's in court and it's in factual. If he reacts in a certain way in court, you can say that as long as it's factual, say when he's charged or if he stands up and somebody shouts on. But say, for example, this is where it gets difficult, right? Say, uh, and again, not speaking about any court, but I've been in plenty of, unfortunately, been in hundreds of murder cases. Say somebody's charged with murder and there's somebody in the court shouts at him. Okay. Now, should we be allowed to say that because it was said in court? But just say they say, you're a murdering scumbag, right? I can tell you, our, everything I write is read by a barrister or a solicitor pre-publication, okay? Uh, and that goes for the vast majority of national papers. I can tell you 100%, no solicitor I know would let that be printed because that's prejudicial and that's in contempt of court, even though it is said in court. So the way journalists like, like me, and I would get around that was saying, he was abused in court, mm. right? But you can't say, uh, you know, Mr. Groves was called a murdering scumbag. Mm. That's completely uh prejudice and you'd, you'd end up in, in trouble yourself. So it's very simple. The shutters come down. You have to be very, very strict within the lines, what is said in court. But even within that stricture, it's very, very complicated. And there, there's, there's some things we'll talk about, but it is. But just basically commentary is out. You can comment all you want when someone's arrested. You can comment all you want, actually, when someone's charged, there's no problem. If they're charged at the, in the Garda station, they're charged in the Garda station, then they're brought to court. Contempt uh, and I, I, I'm not. An, I'm, a, I, I'm, a, I'm a journalist, not a, a lawyer, but I have seen some commentary, and some uh, legal people don't really understand this either because it's very, very complicated. Uh, contempt kicks in when the judge has it, right? Mm. So if you're charged at the guard station on a Monday night, right, that's not contempt because it's not active. Proceedings are active when the judge has taken control and, the, and the, has, has taken control of the case. So what? So I've seen plenty of reporters, plenty of newspapers say someone is charged uh, at a station level and they know, we know who it is. We can put his name and put his paper, uh, his photograph in the paper the next day and we can say effectively say what we want about him because the judge hasn't got it. And the, the clock only starts ticking when the judge takes it. So if our paper appears in the streets at seven o'clock in the morning, the trial, the court case only starts at half ten. So with, with that lacuna, we're grand. There's no problem. Now, uh, there might be other issues, but 
and we, we have to we we, yeah, we get we, different we, legal we, advice we, we, right we, we, we'll dig into some of those in the yeah. moment but like for example someone you see ones where people take offense where someone's published someone's name um I mean, and, that's nonsense and, and i know and that's my well i know <laughs> i know you're going to give short shrift because you you are very much a factual this is how we this is how we do our job and we publish the names but i i i, I suppose what we're in certain cases sensitive cases people are saying oh let's not give any oxygen to x acting but that's not actually that's not your role your and role is not yeah that's bollocks right forgive my language uh no i don't i can't i always forget what article number it is, but there's an article in the Constitution, justice uh, it must be seen to be in, in public, okay? So be, so justice shall be administered in public, okay? There's absolutely nothing wrong with giving somebody's name. There's nothing wrong with giving their address. There's nothing wrong with giving their age. There's nothing wrong with giving their occupation. Absolutely, that's absolutely fine. And I, I'm always amazed, because this comes up quite regularly to me. People say, that could be about anybody. Say, why are you naming that woman? Why are you naming that man when they've been charged? And I go, hold on a minute. Have you been watching the news for the last 45 years? Or have you re ever read any paper? Because people are named in court every day of the week. And suddenly it's as if people suddenly wake up and go, oh my God, isn't that shocking they named that, that woman or that man? It happens every single day because we are constitutionally allowed to do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain very, very quickly, because we do get sometimes get grief about why you're putting that person's address in, Okay. Say there's uh, a Michael O'Toole is charged with crimes against journalism, okay, mm. and he appears in court. Right? Should be, but go on. I know, I know. Well, yeah, I've I, 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 I been hung, <laughs> drawn in court. Anyway, so say there's a Michael O'Toole who lives in Talbot Street in mm. Dublin, and he's charged with crimes against journalism, okay. But just say there's another Michael O'Toole who's the same age as me who lives in Frederick Street in Dublin, okay. If I don't put Michael O'Toole from Talbot Street's address in, the other Michael O'Toole can sit there and go, that's me. You're talking about me. And that has happened. I know of several court of cases where people, where journalists haven't put the address in and they get angry letters and are sued by another person of the same name. So that's why we put the, the, the name. That's why we put the age. And that's why we put the address in. Some, I have seen the specific address, like 27 Thomas Street, but mostly uh, we put the, the street in, the rage yeah. and their name. And that's to identify him or her and make sure other people don't say you've made that out to be me. But we have had cases, believe it or not, that there have been two people of the same name on the same street. Yeah, yeah, and, and then like, that's a real problem. And 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 I, I like I do get that. I think people when you when you hear it in that in that context have to understand that, especially now that um, in the in the modern age where anybody then will pop details into a, a Google search engine and they could easily come up with the wrong Michael O'Toole. And, yeah. you know, and, and this is this is a huge this is a huge problem there where whereby people are like, I mean, we talk about we talk about doxing and all of this stuff that goes on online. It's not that complicated. There's no there's no um, big um, tech um, company sitting back there trying to find it. it's quite easy. You know, that there's yeah. digital fingerprints everywhere. Um, yeah, just but that brings me, I suppose, to the idea of social media um, and against a sort of court reporter, because there is an mm. element of like, it's a hard old slog. Um, there's no, there's no glamour in, in being a court reporter and particularly not when you're covering some of, some of this and you like, you could be covering a really difficult case and people want then want more details than you're able to give. So we're on the flip side now and yes. you have to, you have to walk the tightrope of actually saying, sticking with it, even though you're, you're privy to the two other details in the court and you can't True. share them um, because you want, you can't prejudice any outcome and you don't want to risk your coverage causing anything outside of the courtroom. Oh, that, that, yes. So the, the nightmare scenario is if I write something and it collapses a trial, 
Now, and, and, and now, thankfully, touch wood, that has never happened to me, but it has happened. It has happened. I mean, a, a paper was fined over 100 grand a wee while ago because mm-hmm. uh, a, a rape trial collapsed in front of a jury, right? So now the reason, one of the reasons effectively why we, we can't talk about, say somebody has a previous conviction, right? I can say that, as I mentioned, say, you know, he's charged on a Monday night and he's in court on a Tuesday night, right? I can say this convicted killer will appear in court today charged with XXX. No problem because it's not in content. But you can't say it when the judge has it and you can't say it when it moves down the chain and it's in front of a jury because that is extremely prejudicial to the man's or the woman's right to a fair trial if you're saying he has previous convictions. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Shutters uh, come straight down. But social media, I mean, I, I covered, I've covered all the big trials, right? Yeah. Come back to Joe O'Reilly in 2007, right? Which was a massive trial and the stress, believe me, was incredible. We covered that. We'll talk about this. Anna Crasial yeah. covered Graham Dwyer. Okay, now the Anacrasial and Graham Dwyer were Twitter era trials. Okay, and so I was tweeting, uh, I was the first person to live tweet a trial, which was Graham Dwyer. It was the first time that it had been done, and I was doing the tweet every 25 seconds, just boom, 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 right? Uh, but even in 2015, when the trial was, people really hadn't really got to know Twitter, right? It was terrible with Anacrasial because everybody was commenting. So what we did was, I, I, I'll be honest, see people who were commenting about the, my tweets or anything, I blocked them mm. because I can't have my tweets causing somebody to say something prejudicial. So I blocked them or I made it, I think you can make it now that nobody can comment on your, on your, you know, your trials, yeah, people, yeah. you know, right. But it's terrible. I would, I would be going up the walls and the other reporters during the, the Dwyer trial and Crasial trial, for example, we'd be tweeting contemporaneous court reports, contemporaneous tweets. The, the judge said this five seconds ago, and here we go, right? Said in front of the jury, no problem. And the comments, it was just ridiculous. And I saw some people having to explain, this depressed me, I have to say. I saw some people, uh, legal experts and journalists, journalism experts, explain having to tweet and explain what subjudice means, right? Now, you know, what is wrong? Surely this is a fundamental tenet that everybody should know when they learn civics and society and stuff. That so once a kid course case is life, you can't talk about it. You cannot comment about it. I, I, for me, that's extremely basic. I think everybody should know that. And it's quite, for me, it's a it's symptomatic of perhaps the lack of knowledge in our society about various things. This is simple stuff. A 12-year-old should know that you can't really comment about court cases and once somebody's charged. And it's quite depressing for me that people don't know that mm. and that we have to sit down and explain this. I have to say, I have to be honest. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I'm not. Well, again, that's a gap. We've several gaps in how we teach politics. We don't even mm-hmm. teach financial literacy in, in many of no. our schools. So, if we're, you know, we, we've 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 several gaps in our curriculum. But um, I, you mentioned that the two very high profile cases. But I know in one of them, some of the work that that went into it just to maintain, you know, anonymity for. The, the the two individuals were charged. I mean, but, that, yeah, the unacrasial case. Yeah, yeah. If, right. if you yeah. wouldn't mind, if we could go into that, and it just to, just to, because I think listeners would benefit from understanding that um, it's you have to actually have a discipline to make sure that this that that things that that this train keeps going down the tracks in, in towards you know it, towards the the outcome, whatever that be is decided by the jury, and you know without influence. Yeah. So normally. As I said, justice is administered in public and people are normally named, okay? Um, but there are various pl- uh, occasions in which people can't be named. One is if you're charged with rape or serious sexual assault, okay? Uh, you can't be named. It's illegal to name anybody and you can only name somebody after conviction uh, if it won't serve to identify the victim. But the other 
most important time when you can't name somebody is when the accused are juveniles. And we know in the Anna Crazio case, the two accused were juveniles. And that was a massive problem for us. And I'll, and I'll just explain why. Everybody thinks that boy A and boy B were called boy A and boy B in the trial. Okay. They weren't, their names were given in the trial. Throughout the whole trial, they were, their names were given out. Right. So we were sitting in the court and their names were given out, you know, every minute. So we were taking notes and we were typing away. And the nightmare scenario for all of us was, because I can tell you, I, I, I woke up or I grabbed from my phone at midnight several times, probably every time night during this trial to make sure that I hadn't accidentally named either of the boys, because that, that would have been me done for contempt, probably would have wrecked the trial, probably would have cost the paper a million quid and I would have been goosed, right? So what I did, and by, actually, I'll just, what I did was, when I was taking notes on my computer and either of the boys' names was mentioned, I had changed my Microsoft Word so that anytime Boy A was named and I typed in Boy A's name, it automatically transferred into capital letters Boy A on my text. So I knew there was no way it could slip through the net because the mm. real fear is that it was slipping through the net. Uh, but, uh, uh, but still, you still had that panic at midnight and you went and checked your copy just to make sure you hadn't named either of the boys because that was an, an appalling vista. And we know that Several people after the trial did name the boys when they were convicted and they've been arrested and, and they've been prosecuted. And there are some cases still before the courts. But I'll just tell you a very quick story. We uh, I have a slight claim to fame in this. We on the first day, we were wondering what we could call them. OK, mm. and somebody suggested, yeah, what about boy one and boy two? And I said, I don't know. What about boy A and boy B? So that's how it stuck. Yeah. Um, but that's see, the only way. Otherwise, yeah. we would have been, you know, the first boy charged, the second boy charged. So we just came up with something and we came up with boy A and boy B. Yeah. And, and like, again, I think it's really helpful to where, where you hear how, how difficult it is, especially I, I want to flip it then to say, for example, I seen I see um, I was reading a, a piece um, last night about uh, jury selection and they had to move a case um, from a different county to another county because mm. some of the commentary that had happened um, would make it that if any potential juror was to simply you know, check a, check their social media or whatever, it would they, they may actually find that they're going into this already prejudiced. And, yes. and, 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 and we have got a huge issue like that. Like it makes it much more difficult now when you think about it in this era. Um that if that if that that your tweet could be the one that uh, a potential juror reads and maybe begins a, a process before they before they sit their arse in a chair. Yes, um, and that's a difficulty. And say, for example, you know, twenty years ago, there weren't really stories on the internet. You bought the Irish Times or the Star or the Mirror or whatever, and you had a story that day, right? But stories that we all write now are up online. So contemporaneous stories, I did. Say about, you know, say about the, the, the uh, Graham Dwyer before he was charged. We were talking about a suspect and all that sort of stuff before he was even known, right? Or, or, the, or the, the wider public. Those stories were still online when the trial was happening. So, you know, even that's a difficulty because you can't stop jurors looking at Mr. and Mr. And Mrs. Google. That That's inevitable. But the one thing I will say, there was a, a famous case. Do you remember the Limerick feud? Really, really bad. Early yep. bodies. Loads yep. of people killed. Uh, well, there was a, a, a trial there and... Uh, one, it was several people charged with the murder, okay? And they, there was an attempt to have the case moved or, no, I don't even think it was that. It was to have the case struck out because of prejudicial media coverage before the case. 
And I always remember it, it didn't ex- succeed, but I always remember Mr. Justice Paul Carney, who's now dead, God love me, he was a central criminal court judge. And he spoke about we must respect the robustness of the Irish juror. And I've always remembered that. In other words, we have to have faith in our own citizens to judge 12 of us or 13 of us to judge our, our peers. And that, that's always stuck in my mind. So prejudice, I can think of, well, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I can think of one case where a case was prejudiced. And that was, do you remember how he was charged? And the case, and but and the case was dismissed again because uh, another politician made comments about it. Do you remember that thing? Was yeah, 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 now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is really interesting because those comments were made after he had appeared in court. And do you remember at the start, I spoke about once he appears in court, yeah, shutters come down. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it wasn't before he was charged. It wasn't as if they they scanned the the papers and stuff. Oh look, look what X has said about Charlie Hawley before he's charged. We can't say that. It was after he had appeared in court, and mm. that's why it's so important. And because that case was chucked out, right? And that's why it's so important. Once the judge has it, shut your mouth. Yeah. Let yeah. the court reporters report, and that's it. It just strikes me. You must. It must drive you mad uh, when you when you see a politician using their doll privilege <laughs> to. Uh... Oh yeah. Ah, don't like, look. I mean, I've often thought. Uh, when, I'm sure one day some politic, some TD or senator will stand stand up in the doll and accuse me of being Ireland's worst journalist, right? And I've often thought about this because I, it's an interest I have mm. about you know privilege and all, all that sort of stuff. And, you had good balubas, but at the end of the day, you have to accept the democracy. Oh, yeah. That's, that's just it. Now, however unpalatable that may be, because there have been, I consider there have been really bad things said under privilege. But if I if I got it, I just have to suck it up. I think we all, because that's oh, a really, really I, important I, part of I, democracy. The, the department, the the... the... The Minister for Finance um, commented on me and and uh, in, in a thing, and I can't say boo. You know, he, said, he did refer to me as Mr. Groves. So at least I suppose that could be any Mr. Groves, but I, it was me. <laughs> well, like, you know what? I'll give you some great advice I got years ago. If you're thinking of this, I have been through the legal process in, in a defamation case from start to finish, including being on the witness stand, right? I would not recommend it for anybody. It's horrible, right? So the, my barrister friend, he's now a senior counsel, he said, Nick, you're the only person who'll remember this, and that's if I say I would give anybody who's thinking of doing anything because it's horrendous. Yeah, um, I, I think it's really good. As I said, I, I've shared ones with you where I, where I felt very um, uh, attacked. I'm going to use that word, and it was you know mm. some some very deeply unpleasant things. And you you know, and are they actionable? Yes. Are they mm. defamatory? Yes. Are they? Uh, would you? Would you just give it more oxygen by taking it on? And would you then, you know, would you give over to yourself? Probably. So it's, you know, the balance of it. Yeah. You just kind of move on. And, and, and I don't have half the 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 uh, experience or, or not even a tenth of the experience of yourself or, the, or, you know, haven't done any of that work. So I can only appreciate how much of that, um, those challenges you get. I, I want to go to one other social media phenomenon, but, but we did speak about some of the situations whereby you mentioned rape and obviously the very high profile rape case of 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 the Irish international Paddy Jackson and and his mm-hmm. and his friends now that was a different jurisdiction it was it was under different laws but if you recall there was obviously the the whole social media movement of i believe her yes then there was the 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 um the finding that the the guys were found innocent of of the the, the charges were dismissed yes there was also then well, I know I don't think it were dismissed. No, they, they were, were found not guilty. Found not guilty. Okay, yeah. so so let's yeah, let's be clear. They found not guilty, mm. but then we had the situation whereby one of the individuals went outside and apologized for a woman leaving his home crying and in distress, and and 
And then another individual being Paddy Jackson went out and didn't strike a good tone of contrition or any and spoke about his solicitor taking cognizance of what has happened on social media. And then we had this all of a sudden other phenomenon from, from I believe her to hashtag sue me Paddy. And it was like, yeah, sue half a million people if, if that's what mm-hmm. you need to do. Mm-hmm. It, this we're going to, you could probably point to that and say, well, he made his bed. He's got a lie in it. He lost his Irish contract. Maybe, you know, he should have, many people still believe that, that, that he should look, we've, we have to trust the justice system. However, you know, in the court of public opinion, he has been a huge loser, Mick, on this. But at the same time, there was no, there was no way of, um, no, there was no road for, for contrition. And then we see last week, another a piece in, I think was, was it Irish news saying, you know, bring a, a roll back from, he should be picked for Ireland again. Oh, and I thought it was the time. I think it was the times. It was a, oh, a piece yes, yes, the London sorry. times, London yes. times. That's correct. Yeah, yes. I, I um, so, that. so, I mean, but just uh, two aspects of that, the public justice versus the, the court justice. Where, how mm-hmm. does that make you feel? Like I, I, I can see your face doesn't even like it. it it's a very, uh, look, I have confronted, uh, Paddy Jackson was declared innocent. He was found not guilty. I have confronted people. I, I'm the, the. I have confronted people in the street. I've confronted, gone to people's houses. We've put them in the front page of the Star, and you know, I'm the least, per, the last person to have a moral high ground on this. So I, I don't. I don't really know because, look, the man is. He, and he was. He was innocent. The court found him innocent. I, well, I don't know what you can do. I don't know what. I don't know. God, this is very difficult. I, I just don't know how, how it can be squared because people are going to say things, right? Mm. Do you remember there was a, a was it a lord over in England was a, was accused on social media of, of something similar? Or, or he was accused of, of sexual wrongdoing over in England, right? Mm. And he went after everybody who tweeted about it. No, he didn't get, he got 200 quid off his person or something, you know, but he went after every single one of them. Mm. And I've often thought, you know, maybe that will happen that somebody, John 40579 with 14 followers, thinks he's grand. But there will come a day where some where this will happen in Ireland and somebody will go, fuck this, I'm going after every single one of them. And I just think, I'm not going to advise people, I, I know what I write. And there's things that sometimes I, I write things, even though I've been through the ringer legally and I would have... I would like to think a very good knowledge of contempt and prejudice. And sometimes I go, I write stuff and go, oh, Jesus, I better delete that. So I can imagine what the ordinary punter in the street is, is thinking. But I just I just think people should try and engage their brains because, you know, and I've had this. People can say, your ma's a prostitute, right? And when people uh, take umbrage at that, they go, oh, I've got free speech. But listen, you know. There is free speech, but there are consequences for saying things as well. And people are forgetting the consequences aspect. Again, I don't, I, I, I would be low to sue anybody, but I can understand if people want, if people decide to sue because some things that are said in social media, it's they are quite horrendous. You've got it, I've got mm-hmm. it. You know, if a grace mirror goes on your place, I know if I used to work with these, I just, you know, I know some of the stuff she's got, and it's particularly women. You know, it's, it's the, yeah, the women yeah. reporters hugely get a horrendous time, horrendous, right? So. You know, maybe it should happen. Maybe people should have their uh, cough softened, maybe because you know, free speech is great, but there are consequences for what you say. And I, and I, and I'm going to push back in one aspect of this, and you might not like it, but there's also an element of responsibility within the commentariat, where whereby they can frame things in a way that's maybe more civil, but yet make someone a target. And we see that then, and and you know where where that those those because I mean we can look at high profile cases where 
very respected commentators have commented on, say, Mary, Le- Mary, Mary Lou McDonald's weight, what she wears, yes. her, her legs. Yes. We've seen all of these examples. Yes. And, and, you know, we make um, they can make people fair game as well. But they do it in such a way that they don't use uh, swear words like we would maybe if we were on if we were on a Twitter rant, you know? Yes. But they, and at the same time, uh, well, two things. I'm going to let you in, in a secret. I don't read commentators. I have I attach no opinion to them. your opinion is just as important as theirs, right? I just don't get why any no, I've had to write analysis pieces, but I'd be I know my onions about crime. So mm. I can write an analysis. I can you know, I've said things like, you know, when the guards are called, society has failed. And that's from my knowledge is 28 years as a crime reporter, right? So I think I'm entitled to have an analysis. But see opinion pieces, why is your view less important than somebody who writes for the Irish Times or the Sunday and or you know, all these people? So I don't read comment commentaries, but I will say if they do write something egregious or, you know, there's the, there are various remedies, there's a press council and everything that, so we are regulated so people can, and, you know, people are, people can take legal action against us and it does happen. And it's, and, and there's this myth that only millionaires sue newspapers. I can tell you they don't. The, the letters we get and the cases we get from every gamut of society. So people and solicitors are very good at going after us. So there is that. So we are, regulated in quite a few ways and there are consequences financially and you know even the the, the press council because you have to uh, discriminate between fact and fiction mm-hmm. or fact and comment in the press on the press council code of standards so we get hockeyed for doing that sort of stuff you know so it's not the same in social media but I, I, I look again I don't read commentators that you know, yeah no I just I just thought it was interesting I saw yesterday one commentator refer to um Sinn Féin's ruling um mechanism i'm going to structure as the polit bureau bureau yeah and you're thinking that's framing emo- immediately you know that's 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 framing if i if i went and said you know um so such and such is a is a mad commie it's kind of the same thing it's it's the kind yeah. of you know what i mean it's kind of the same thing you're um you're a marxist stalinist or a leninist or whatever it is uh it wouldn't be but it, but i would be deemed bad whereas the other guy framing it in such a way He's paid for his opinion. <laughs> so. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, look, I will say I, I, it looks to me, see, I, I'm an outsider, even though I'm Irish, I'm mm. a northerly, northerner, right? Yeah. And I always say this, God, we're going off on a real tangent, but you're going to have yeah, to. No, I bring, yeah, no, right? Uh, the only partitionism I find in, in Ireland is from what you might call the D4 set, right? Mm. Uh, and I get it. I, I have been to every town and village in Ireland and I've knocked on doors at the most stressful of times. People have lost loved ones. Right. And I'm the, the, the scumbag, if you want to call me that, who goes and knocks on your doors and says, would you like to tell your loved one's story? It's me. Right. Mm. Never once I've had, I've, I've never once been called an ordy bastard. Never mm. once been called an ordy. The number of times I get it from the people in the media. Right. Mm. I'm sure Eva Grace Mary, I know she's on your, but other Nordies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, you get no. it. But it's that, it's that sort of establishment. Right. And one of the things that would be interesting for me, if and when Sinn Féin get into power, is what journalists make the move. And go special advisors. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like I, I can't wait to watch. I just can't <laughs> wait to see who. Not coming out of the woodwork, but oh, right, damn. Because yeah. you know, you can see. All right, okay. You always hear oh, that journalist is close to Fianna Fáil. That like, yeah. journalist is close. She's close to Fianna Gael. You know, and suddenly yeah. they're special advisors, right? I just can't wait to see what who you know raise their head above the above the parapet and go. Oh, and I, I know we've got on a tangent, but I, I get the. I do have a look at the um, the expenses as well that they they pay yes. to people to write pieces for them, and the amount of people you'll see, you go, oh, th- that's like a list of who's going to be the next special advisor. Yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of journalist names in there writing yeah. for writing for parties of government, and you're going, okay, that's interesting. Can I give you a controversial view? 
an unpopular view. I don't think journalists should go from journalism or journalism into political PR. I, I don't think I don't think it should be, of any hue. I don't no. think it should be allowed. I don't go think that's decontaminate yourself. There's a we, Joe Haslam, the professor from Madrid, who we have on oh, yeah. um, regularly. Joe will tell you that the big problem he has in the universities is that when there's a change of government, they lose faculty staff because they come in and they say, we want the best guy on housing policy. And we want the best guy on this. And they, want, and, and they say, that's where the brain drain happens in Spanish academia, whereas we suffer a loss of former political correspondence. Um, and that's, you know, that's... But, that. but it's not just Paul Cars. I mean, you can see... No, it's people, yes, absolutely. You know, yeah, but it is. And there's an awful lot of them, you know. And I'm, I'm always, I just don't think it's right and we've lost some great journalists to it. We have. Well, we have. I, there's one I know specifically. I think he's a f- massive loss to journalism. But I won't say who he is. Yeah. I've told him. I've told him to his face that I, I consider him a loss to journalism. Um, but I just think, you know, let's have a wee bit of separation here. You yeah. want to go into get into PR, go and work for some corporate place for a couple of years. You can tabinate yourself from the the journalism aspect, and then go work for a political party. And I'm I, to me, I'm saying. I'm saying about any party, Green, Sinn Féin, Labour, Fianna Fáil, Fianna, I just don't like journalists going, do that, do that. That's my opinion. Yeah. And I um, think I'm entitled to it. Uh, Mick, I just, if we, if we could wrap this, I suppose, the last thing I want to say is, the main thing, I suppose, the main message of getting over and over and over is people need to think before they tweet. Come on, just think, right, just, I do it. I, I know I make mistakes myself, but I very quickly did them. Just, somebody said to me once, measure twice, cut once, right? Look at it and go, right, is this dodgy? Me calling an, an accused killer a horrible scumbag who's got 45 convictions and everybody needs to know what he's like. Is that really the best thing to do when someone is before the courts? The answer is no. So if you just engage your brains and go, right, you know what? Or even look at what the court and crime reporters do. You know, go, well, look, you know, look at Pat O'Connell in the Sunday World or look at Mick O'Toole or look at Connor Lally in the Times. They're going straight down the line. Maybe it might be an idea to do what they're doing. Maybe they just do know their onions a wee bit. Yeah. Listen, folks, um, I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Um, you, you can uh, you can see Mick's rantings and, and the Irish Daily Star <laughs> or you get them on Twitter at Mick the Hack. But I'm sure many of you already know that and are probably in, in his comments given out already. So, uh, Mick, I'm sorry if I brought more uh, fire your way. Just, but uh, thanks for doing this. Um, no problem. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back. As I said, we're covering the, the bloody Sunday event. So we'll be back on, in your feed shortly. Talk to you all very soon, folks. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.